I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 2 Chronicles chapter 32, beginning with verse 23, down through chapter 33, verse 25. Then we'll read Psalm 135. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. We begin in chapter 32 of Second Chronicles with Hezekiah's lifetime accomplishments, verse 23. And many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations thereafter. In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor, and he made himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of desirable items, storehouses for the harvest of grain, wine, and oil, and stalls for all kinds of livestock and folds for flocks. Moreover, he provided cities for himself and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very much property. This same Hezekiah also stopped the water outlet of Upper Gihon and brought the water by tunnel to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness, indeed, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, and in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. So Hezekiah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the upper tombs of the sons of David, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem honored him at his death. Then Manasseh his son reigned in his place. These eleven verses serve as a glowing endorsement of Hezekiah's life and accomplishments. The only comment about his shortcomings in this passage is to be found in verse 25, where there it said, Therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. Now if we look at Second Kings chapters 20 and 21, we see the details of Hezekiah's pride and his subsequent prayer for the lengthening of his life. You remember the sundial incident, we talked about that a couple of days ago. God prospered Hezekiah, and he reserved Judah's fall until after his death. Then Judah's fall was not to the Assyrians, but to the Babylonians. One notable and archaeologically validated accomplishment of Hezekiah is seen in verse 30. Here's what it says. This same Hezekiah also stopped the water outlet of Upper Gihon and brought the water by tunnel to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. This verse adds detail to Second Chronicles chapter 32, verses 2 through 4. Let me read those for you again. It says in verse 2, And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come, 
and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs, which were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? Again, that's 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 2-4. through four. Now this tunnel that was 1,750 feet long, supplied the pool of Siloam inside Jerusalem, which was a walled city, with fresh water from the spring of Gihon outside the city. In 1880, an inscription was discovered by a boy who was bathing in the waters of the Gihon spring. After studying the inscription, it was determined that it had been carved in stone there by Hezekiah's workers to chronicle their success. The tunnel had been hewn from stone coming from two different directions— first from within the city at the Pool of Siloam, and then secondly from without the city at the Spring of Gihon. The workers, according to the inscription, met in the middle. The tunnel supplied fresh water to the inhabitants of Jerusalem during the siege of the Assyrians in 701 B.C. Because of the availability of fresh water to Jerusalem, coupled with the lack of water outside of Jerusalem because the water had been diverted, those Jews were able to outlast the Assyrians in the attempted but unsuccessful takeover in 701 B.C. Now, this water diversion was just part of Hezekiah's preparation for battle against these Assyrians, and that's seen, by the way, in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 1-8. through 8. Now, if you're looking at the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today, then I have uh, an article with a couple of pictures in it of Hezekiah's tunnel, which uh, has been uncovered. And if you recall, no water for the Assyrians outside the city, but water for the folks inside Jerusalem. And uh, that was the miracle where there 185,000 of the Assyrians died outside the city, and they all went home without conquering little old Jerusalem. Then we come to Second Chronicles chapter 33, beginning with verse 1, and we find evil King Manasseh reigns. This is, by the way, uh, paralleled in Second Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 18. If you're looking at the written notes of today's reading, you'll see a table there with 2 Chronicles 33 on the left. That's today's reading. And then in blue, not part of today's reading, 2 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 18. 2 Chronicles chapter 33, beginning with verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. He raised up altars for the Baals and made wooden images, and he worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. He also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Also he caused his sons to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom, he practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft and sorcery, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He even set a carved image, the idol which he had made, in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will not again remove the foot of Israel from the land which I have appointed for your fathers, only if they are careful to do all that I have commanded them, according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh seduced Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed 
before the children of Israel. Second Kings chapter 21 verses 1 through 18 gives the details of Manasseh's rotten life also. He was evil. We see in verse 6 the details of Manasseh's wickedness when it says, And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with familiar spirits and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Verse 9 then sums it up when it says, So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err, and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Manasseh built altars to nearly all the false gods. Those were the ones that his dad had torn down. He burned his own kids in sacrifice and erected pagan idols right there in the temple and on the temple grounds. But Manasseh gets a second chance, and that's recorded in Second Chronicles chapter 33, verses 10 through 20. Now, this information regarding Manasseh's repentance toward God, well, it's not told in Second Kings chapter 21, just here in Second Chronicles 33. Verse 10, And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. Therefore the Lord brought them, the captains of the army of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him. And he received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. After this, he built a wall outside the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley, as far as the entrance of the fish gate, and it enclosed Ophel, and he raised it to a very great height. Then he put military captains in all the fortified cities of Judah. He took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem, and he cast them out of the city. He also repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it, and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed on the high places, but only to the Lord their God. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, his prayer to his God, and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel, indeed they are written in the book of the kings of Israel. Also his prayer and how God received his entreaty, and all his sin and trespass, and the sites where he built high places and set up wooden images and carved images before he was humbled, Indeed, they are written among the sayings of Hosei. So Manasseh rested with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house. Then his son Ammon reigned in his place. In these 11 verses, Ezra, writing for the returning exiles, shows a side of Manasseh that was not told in Second Kings. Manasseh gets a second chance. The Assyrians capture evil Manasseh, then he repents. God honors his prayer of repentance and restores him as king of Judah. We don't know the details of how this jailbreak took place. Manasseh then tries to undo that which characterized him in the early part of his reign. He tries to return Judah to God. His efforts were a little on the slight side, however. Notice what verse 17 tells us after Manasseh got rid of the idols in the temple. It says, Nevertheless, the people did sacrifice still in the high places, yet unto the Lord their God only. Now let's get the picture clearly here. They did not tear down those disgusting abominations known as high places. They compromised. 
These pagan altars had been built to the custom specifications of the pagan gods to whom they were dedicated. Instead of tearing them down, as they should have, they simply specified that the offerings they made on those altars from now on were to be made to God rather than those pagan deities. Same place, same ritual, same sacrifice, just different words. The law of Moses specifically required that all sacrifices be made on the altar of God. And that brings us to Second Chronicles thirty-three twenty-one to 25 where we talk about the evil king Ammon. He just gets five verses. This passage is paralleled in Second Kings chapter 21, verses 19 to 26. Not part of today's reading, but I do have those verses in blue in the right-hand column of the table provided there. Second Chronicles 33, verse 21. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done, for Ammon sacrificed to all the carved images which his father Manasseh had made and served them. And he did not humble himself before the Lord, as his father Manasseh had humbled himself, but Ammon trespassed more and more. Then his servants conspired against him and killed him in his own house. But the people of the land executed all those who had conspired against King Ammon. Then the people of the land made his son Josiah king in his place. Well, Ammon only gets these five verses in Second Chronicles chapter 33 and only gets eight verses in Second Kings 21 verses 19 to 26. Like father, like son. He followed the pattern of his father's early reign, false gods and so forth. Since after Manasseh's return to God, he didn't actually get rid of the high places. Ammon strikes back up worship to false gods there. That's what happens when people compromise with evil rather than eliminate it. He was killed by his own servants who were subsequently killed by the people. And then his eight-year-old son, Josiah, becomes the king. And that brings us to Psalm 135, Bless the Lord. Verse 1, Praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O you servants of the Lord, you who stand in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. He destroyed the firstborn of Egypt both of man and beast. He sent signs and wonders in the midst of you, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his servants. He defeated many nations and slew mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel his people. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations, for the Lord will judge his people." and he will have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion, who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Well, the authorship of this psalm is unknown. Likewise, the date of this writing is not apparent. 
This psalm is written like a recitation for a pep rally in honor of God's power and faithfulness. It's typical in the Psalms and the prophets to cite reminders for God's people of his faithfulness to them in times past. Now here are the specifics of instances of God's faithfulness recounted by this psalmist. He talks about the plagues upon Egypt prior to the Exodus in verses 8 and 9. Then he talks about the way they conquered the kings Sihon and Og on the east side of the Jordan just prior to conquering Canaan in verses 10 and 11. And then, of course, he throws in the conquering of Canaan itself in verse 12. Perhaps this is yet another of those crisis situations, and this psalm is reminding the people that God can do it again. He indeed was with Israel in conquering the lands with the false gods, as stated. If this was written during the Assyrian siege on Jerusalem, these words take on deep meaning to the inhabitants of that city. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.